that's it. I really want to hear that. That that wanna, shit gets me going. Do you want to hear it? Ah, uh, yeah. I love that. You catch me singing it around the house. About five every five minutes, I let out. My a, guy's gonna sound high. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always doing it. I love this shit. Um, welcome back to the Cinecloud podcast, episode twenty-two. Uh, that means 22 straight weeks. We definitely never missed a week. Uh, missing? Think we, we ain't missing. Week, How do you yeah, think no, we're exactly. losing? We always we're putting win. together the uh, Linsanity run and not missing. Um, Just like DJ Khaled, I'll always win. Yeah, no, exactly. I've never not lost. So I don't even know what losing is um, about. Exactly. I, I couldn't play in Shorzy. <laughs> that's all I know. No clue what's going on um, outside of victory. That's what I can say. Um, <laughs> Victory, just like this week's content, I'd say. <laughs> this week's content is feels like sweet victory. Um, if if it hasn't been all over your cell phone or your social media or your your letterbox, there should be no re. Literally, if it's not on your phone, you're listening to the wrong podcast because the people who listen to this podcast know this has been on their phone. Um, Dune Part Two is right around the corner and by right around the corner i mean it's releasing to um massive audiences on uh friday friday march 1st but we've seen it in advance because because we're cool like that well actually we've seen it in advance because imax is cool like that yeah and uh and dune was cool like that and there was uh, fan first premieres all throughout North America on this past Sunday. And we went because we try to get to those as many as we can. And um, we miss Denis. We miss Denis. Yeah, surprisingly, this this disappointment all around on that end. I was expecting like a Denis Villeneuve appearance because Denis Villeneuve, yes, this is how you say his name, by the way. Denis Denis Villeneuve is how you say his name because he is from the Quebec. And... um, um, we are too. I keep. I, I realize I keep doing. I don't do it on purpose. It's just instead of humming. I, um, oh my guy. Um, my guy. It's either the or the. <laughs> I'd rather do that. My guy's a chipmunk. Okay, whatever. The point of the, the the matter is, we thought we'd see Denis at the. Uh, well, not thought. We were hoping to see Denis. There was this at bar the, at the uh, like screening. the last uh, level of the forum where we went to see the movie, and we were like, I was yeah. winning the bet he was gonna be there, but it was empty. It was kind of sad. Yeah, it was kind of sad, but that doesn't matter. You know, we take it in stride. We still got to see. Like, imagine if the movie sucked and then we didn't get to see Denis. Thank God that was, like, polar opposite of what could have happened because this movie was so far from bad because it was actually so far from good because it was so fucking great. This is, like, if you live in the vicinity of a theater and you slightly enjoy watching movies, go watch Dune Part 2. You won't regret it. Yeah, but for that, you have a few criterias that need to be checked first which just watch dune one exactly that you need to watch dune one yeah for sure well self-explanatory you're not going to go see a part two without watching a part one right um especially when it's highlighted as such like this is not like a random sequel this is literally part two so uh yeah my suggestion would definitely be watch part one um i think it's fair to say we both had a blast with this thing a blast you say uh, I never like was this thoroughly enjoying myself in the theater ever since, like, I've seen 
I don't even remember. I actually it's don't been remember a minute. the last time. Yeah, a hot minute. It's been a minute. And th- this only happens so rarely where you see a film or what I would prefer. To, I wouldn't even call this a movie. This is like a cinematic event. The same way last year was Oppenheimer and Barbie. Yeah, but this is bigger. You in dare my say it's bigger? Bigger. This is bigger. Because this is better. I, I'm sorry to say it. Dune Part 2 is better than Oppenheimer and Barbie. I let it out right now. We don't have to debate it, in my opinion. Um, I, I think there's a debate to be made because I don't necessarily agree. What I would give to you, though, as cinematic events, I agree that Dune 2 is better than both of those combined, actually. Well, they were combined, right? Barbenheimer, you know, what we've kind of learned is that Oppenheimer and Barbie share success due to each other. Like, if we're being realistic, the Barbenheimer movement helped both of these movies flourish at box office. Yes. Dune doesn't need anybody else. Because um, this movie is, it, like, it's so good. It's stellar. Like I said, I, I came out already and said it's better than Oppenheimer and Barbie. You are not sure? I'm you not think sure. Oppenheimer I'm, might be better? I know, I, I know, I know you know that Dune Part 2 is better than Barbie. Yes, so. but I know that Oppenheimer is not worse than Dune. Neither is it better. They're completely different okay. things, but they stand on their own. Like it I, I see what you mean. I wouldn't argue I wouldn't argue against that. And that's not what we're really here for today. Like to do Oppenheimer versus Dune because they're no, not because Dune has comparable. so much going for it that we have to talk about that first. Well yeah it's it, well Dune has so much going for it. As does Oppenheimer, but anyway it's just you can't compare two movies like that. They're not the same. Um but when you look at Dune Part two like where do you even really start like the cast because not even i guess you start about how cool it is that a director managed to handle the a franchise as masterfully as denis villeneuve did with dune as a whole i think you have to start with that I, i guess so um yeah that might be it right you look at you're looking at a franchise done and i would it's an original franchise to me i, I know we're it's based forgetting on a book and there about was movies. the movies in 1984 yeah yeah but they don't matter this, it this doesn't take on this franchise is fresh and it's new and he's essentially doing it all himself there's nothing that from these movies that is pulled from anywhere else outside of the the story and information stylistically nothing can beat this movie right now nope like i guess yeah like you could talk about the fact that Denis Villeneuve literally owns this franchise in the palm of his hand and he'll probably never no one else will ever be able to make it god knows in 50 years how many dune remakes we'll get point is you'll never be able to make as one as good as this but look i think I don't think, even think the like conversation about potential remade of this franchise is even valid because I don't see how this movie can age. I don't that's, see how this movie can become irrelevant to a point where it asks for a remake. That's, you, know? you know what? That's an even better point. Um, it's just, you look at what Denis Villeneuve has with this, with this thing. And what he's sitting on, like they're not done. By the way, if you if you thought part two meant it was over, you he thought just wrong. announced that the script for part three is all Messiah. That is is almost out. 
It's yeah, almost which, finished. Yeah, it w- which would be the adaptation of Messiah. We don't know what he's going to call the film, but it would be the adaptation of Messiah. Um, Although I did not do any research on that point specifically, is the ending of Dune 2 actually the ending of the book? It, it is, from what I've understood. From what I I've, have the book right in front of me. Let me check. Do you actually have the book? I do. You actually own the book? I actually do. Why? What do you mean, why? <laughs> no, not why. I'm just like, I didn't realize you owned it. Yes, that's how it ends. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. It is how it ends. Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I just said that to you. Yeah, but I've actually <laughs> fact-checked it with the real <laughs> sources, which anyway. is palm of my hand. Yeah, the yeah exactly. Um, Dune Part Two essentially takes off exactly where Dune Part One let off, left off. Uh, like there is no uh, break in between. You're picking up right from there, and you are dealing Which, with the same remaining group of characters: uh, Paul Atreides, his mother, Lady Jessica, and they're hanging out with the Fremen, and they are essentially um, yeah fleeing the disaster that just took place with the House yeah. of Atreides. The way this movie picks up, to, yeah. I was just to say the way this movie picks up will make for one of the best movie marathon people will be able to have at their place ever oh like, yeah do dune part one to do part two you're gonna love it mm-hmm. like i would i'm down to get like a didn't even love pieces together these two movies with a simple edit like it won't take very much but no. put it together and make it like a six hour cut i'll watch it i know no problem for me nope. i will sit there and love this love this thing it's it's great um yeah, essentially they pick up right there. They're seeking kind of revenge on the har- of the house Harkonnen. And um, they kind of go from there. Like, I wish there was a, a a way to get into it. The goal of this movie is for Paul to learn the ways of the Fremen in order to seek revenge on ha- Harkonnen, on the Harkonnens, essentially. Um now this movie obviously spans over two hours and forty nine to about two hours forty six forty nine. I don't for let's say two hours forty five. If we're being realistic, yeah. let's say two forty five. Like just throwing it out there, generalizing. Um, yeah, two forty five. Obviously, there's trials and tribulations. There is a slow burn aspect of it, but this movie flies by. Um, I say it's there's a slow burn aspect because no movie that takes two hours and forty five is obviously ninety minutes, right? Time won't allow that to yeah, work. That slow so, burn is not felt. The effect has no, to be like no, no, exactly. But you could tell the development of of the thoughts and of story that that they're putting together and putting on the screen. They're not um, how how like the right way to say it is really they're not making you feel like it's long but they're fleshing it out well i don't know if you know what i mean like it's taking time but it's not feeling long mm-hmm. because the pacing of this movie is frankly incredible like uh, well, yeah that ha- that has a lot to do smashed with smashed it. it out of the park he smashed it out of the park in terms of what this movie throws at you i'd say this movie since you already know these characters since you know who they are now there's no need to set up this world anymore now they take off with everybody already like in question, um, man, oh man, yeah, and more everybody than anything, in question. Now look at this cast, like yes, you talk about the new additions to this specific film. We're talking about Austin Butler, Christopher Walken, Florence Pugh, Leia Seydoux, and they're already joining 
Zendaya, Javier Bardem, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, who is underrated as an actor. I stand on yeah, that. He'll just, I like, love for the Dave role Bautista. he plays. Uh, the role he gets casted to play, he's always doing a fine job. He does really well. He does really well, except, you know, what, what, I think he's underrated as an actor. And then you had Austin Butler get cast as like a more demented version of Dave Bautista's character. <laughs> like a more psycho. Demented version of Elvis right there. Well, yeah, I want to I want to kind of look at every new addition to the cast and see what they brought as well as look at what they old by. I think we should just go through the list of characters and actors and see who like, really judged their performance. And, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Timothy Chalamet has arrived. Shamala Bing Bong. <laughs> Shamalala Bing Bong. Ah, um, uh, Timothy. Timothy. I, my first man. reaction when I walked out of this movie was that, like, as someone who's always seen Timothy, I, I'm gonna call him Timothy because I find it funnier. And he's also that's also his name. Like, he's, yeah, he's French. Timothy oh, yeah, is his true, name. True, it's actually <laughs> so. I've always seen Timothy as this like um, extremely versatile yet sensible actor. Not in the sense that he's like able to make the right decision. But more so in the sense that he's able to transmit emotions very well through like his um, physical like movements and his like facial expression, he's able to like pull off some like very deep emotions. And so when I walked out of this movie, I was thoroughly surprised when I was like looking back on what he'd done in this movie. And the guy is just a frankly a badass. He's a My tour guy de force. Like he's exactly a tour that. de force. Like he's nuts. In this movie. My guy that had a iron fist holding everyone and just oh mm. like 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 look at what the guy puts together in this movie. Look at what he does. Like Paul Atreides, the character arc that he has to go through in Dune Part Two is can only be managed by an actor who's able to portray all these different uh, emotions. Mm-hmm. And Timothy's, would you go? As- would you go as far on as to say that it. it's one of his harder roles? Uh Timothy, I don't I can't remember a role that Chalamet has done that hasn't been difficult. They were hardest then. No, uh, I don't know. He's really great in Call Me By Your Name. He's really great in Beautiful Boy. He's great in the first Dune. He was impressive in Wonka. It's it's difficulty. I don't know. I think I, I all I know is that when I see Dune, I cannot see it without him now. Yep. And he's I'd found say that a all... role that is his. I don't know if you know what I mean. Yeah, which is exactly where I was going to transition. I was going to say that um, ultimately he was able to tap into a, like a role specifically that he wasn't like recognized as being able to do or like people wouldn't look at him at first when it comes to casting those roles. And he was able to carve his like way to the top with this movie. I, absolutely, I'm totally uh, in agreement with you on that. I think that th- he's like you know when you look at it's 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 tricky because I guess Star Wars has had so many, but there's some certain franchises that just have a, an actor attached to them. Bad comparison, but Fast and Furious without Vin Diesel is not Fast and Furious, right? Mm-hmm. Timothy's earned his spot to be 
the face of Dune. And this movie, there's no way that you can look at it and be like, oh, he's not able to do this. Because personally, he blew my socks off. Me I don't too. know why I've doubted Timothy Chalamet this long, <laughs> but he's he's so impressive. That's the thing, though. Like, you doubt him because he's always trying something new. It's like the people that doubt uh, Robert Pattinson every time he tries something new. Like, the, he goes into a movie and people are not... It's not the typical typecast of that actor. So when you go in and you try something new, people are going to be doubting. And it's only natural. Like, you only know what to expect when it's something you've seen before. So rather than being skeptical of what is about to happen, just be, like, curious or, like, apprehensive. Oh, yeah, hype. for sure. For sure. Um, does it? How do you feel about him portraying uh, Bob Dylan in a biopic? Because that's what he's cast as. There's been cast a lot of Bob Dylan. Bob, there's been a lot of Bob Dylan. Uh, like, I don't. I say a lot, but there was that one with uh, I forgot who played her. Like, it was a female actress that played Bob Dylan. I'm sorry, I forget her name. Uh, Kate Blanchett played uh, uh, in Bob Dylan's last. Um, biopic. Kate Blanchett played Bob Dylan. Yeah. What? Yeah. When? Uh, I don't remember the year. Let me just check. Did she really? Yeah. Hey, how come I don't know about this thing? Yeah, I'm not there. 2007. So yeah, she she played her, but him actually. She was the one who was casted for that. And I think, like, from people's reception, it was a fine job in terms of, like, actually acting. Well, wait a second, wait a second. Okay, ruminations on the life of Bob Dylan were six characters embodied a different aspect. Okay, so she played him, but there's five other actors who played him as well. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. And so, I think, again, what I don't like about this typical cast for this movie is that I feel like they're they based themselves much more off of looks than they did off of the actor but they were lucky that the actor that kind of looks like him is goddamn Timothy Chalamet like <laughs> yeah god they I think were it was really a calculated uh, thing to do yep. like um it's definitely a smart thing to do like he's so he's he's impressive and he's like anytime Timothy Chalamet is in something probably should watch it um Lady Jessica, Rebecca Ferguson in this movie, she undergoes a lot of change. And it's like behind the scenes-esque because she's not one of the main characters. But she goes through a lot in this movie, in she my opinion. She goes through a lot. And I don't want to look too much in the future because I haven't read the books that will come after it. But you can see how from the plot alone, she's set up to become some kind of villain in the future. You can see how like she's getting ahead of herself and kind of trying to control everything. And I love the fact that they were able to pull that off while maintaining the core narrative of the movie. They were I'm, able to set I'm themselves really up. I'm really unsure what, the, uh, what it's going to be. If I'm being honest, I don't know what where they're mean? going with her. She's pretty deceiving. No, it's, be, um, it's her baby. Because it, spoiler, I know like, it's her baby, baby, but her baby was uh, like if her baby. Yeah. Her baby, who is a surprise, uh, the cameo, it's it's a cameo of sorts. She's cast for the next mm-hmm. one, but it's a surprise that she's in this. Essentially, Anya Taylor-Joy, yep. who plays uh, Alia, who is Paul Atreides' younger sister. 
in the book. I got that name from the book. Essentially, um, yeah, she has like these talks with Rebecca Ferguson. They they talk to they blab with each other, and they uh, it, yeah, it's kind of weird. If you don't know the baby's talking to her, you'd think Lady Jessica is schizophrenic. Yeah, but, but nope, it, it's actually yes, it actually the baby's makes sense. talking to her. It's it's pretty interesting. I think Rebecca Ferguson delivers a, another great performance. I think Dune is really a film that can be seen through its characters. Mm-hmm. As beautiful as the world around them is, their story, the vehicle of this is film, really characters. happens through the characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and Lady that's Jessica the hallmark of a good fantasy movie, fantasy slash sci-fi movie. Because a lot of the time, at least most of the time, when movies fail, it's because the story they're trying to adapt or their story they came up with is world-driven rather than character-driven, and people simply don't care enough about worlds to make them stand on their own as like the reason yeah. why they will go and see a movie they want to see people I, I'm with you on that I, I think that Dune is one of the movies that does it best because of the characters you know as much as Denis Villeneuve focuses on the world that they are in mm-hmm. he moves his world with the characters like he pushes his world through conversation through character through through uh, not dialogue but through actions that he makes yep. these characters do it's it's super interesting and yeah. you have to acknowledge the fact that dune as a book was perceived as this i mean still is perceived people consider it as a very long book very description heavy and lacks that touch of like uh, um accessibility for the like normal audience to yeah. people actually enjoy the world the people that are able to like dive in and accept the fact that there will be some long bits love those that series to death but when you see Denis Villeneuve's adapt- yeah but when you see Denis yeah. Villeneuve's adaptation you realize that he just boiled it down to its core and adapted it so that it was a character driven story rather than a world driven yeah and He's that's done why it works. That's that's something that you want to see, right? Anybody mm-hmm. who's a fan of the book Dune, there's no way you cannot watch this these movies and be like, "Oh, it's not what I would have wanted." Like how? Like I was I just speaking. I never actually, read the book yesterday. But like how? I was just speaking to people yesterday that read the book because we saw the movie before them, and yeah. the way I was like describing it to them, they were really hyped. They were really happy with how they adapted the first one, the first movie. And yeah. from what I've like described to them, because I didn't want to spoil much, let's be honest, I'm not that much of like that big of a dick. Um, <laughs> from what I told them and from what they were willing to hear, um, they were really hyped and they really liked um, what I was like telling them about the rest of the, like how this movie unfolds. And so they, it never sick. once was it mentioned that the movie ruined the book or the book was ruined by making it a movie. Which is great, which is what you want to hear, right? You don't want to hear that they made a story that is not what the book was set out to be. I actually want to read the book. Um, now you that I've like seen it. these movies, you I don't care. Like I'm reading it. it. I'm reading it. My, I just want to, for the record, I don't remember the last time my guy finished a book. I just finished Stephen A's bio. You had it on uh, your shelf for like eight months. Yeah, but it's finished now. Got eight months. My I don't read every day. I'm not a big reader. I'm busy watching movies. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> yeah, like 30 minutes a night. Yeah, I, I, I should. I'm going to buy a copy of Dune. I'm going to read it. I'm, it's uh, so cheap, me. dude. I'll, I'll get back to you when I'm done. Don't my guy, We walked out of the theater. You're, my guy was like, I don't want to read the book. It's going to ruin my like. Uh, I don't want to read Messiah. The movie. I don't want to read Messiah. I want to read the book of which I've already seen the movie. 
Mm-hmm. I do not want to read Messiah. I will let you read. No, no. I told you not to read Messiah. I'll read Messiah when I see the movie. I'm letting Denise vision guide me. I think That's Denise vision doing. is pretty close to the books. But I'm letting Denis do it. I'm not letting the books do it. I'm not going to be spoiled by the book. Won't you think that it would be... Because I don't feel like it's a very, like... Uh, I don't feel a spoiler if you were spoiled in this movie. It would actually, like, affect the way you watch that movie. And sometimes movies on rewatch are even better than they are when you've seen it for the first time. Do you think if you were to read, read the book, it would lend a similar situation where you'd be like, oh, I recognize everything that is happening. The way they've done it is so sick. I'm so glad they've done it that way. I feel there's a like satisfaction. I would do it that. with the movie I've seen. I could tell you what I'm going to do with Dune Messiah. If they make, if they rename the, if they name the film Messiah, that is, I will watch Dune part three or Messiah, whatever it's called read the book, and then watch the movie again. That is my plan with the Dune movies that I have right now. I'm going to read Dune. Movie sandwich. Movie, book, yeah, movie. Yeah, movie, book, movie. That's how I go about my, my things. I read all the Twilights. I have good There's methods. No, no I'm kidding. Way. I did not read any of the Twilights. There's no way. I was like, my God, I'm going to call you all. I did not read any of the Twilights, nor have I seen those movies in quite some time. That's not um, true. You I always... haven't seen those movies in quite some time. Quite some time. Yeah, but you have to define quite some time here because quite, well, some, quite time some time. Can... I'd say at least a good like two years. That's not a lot. That's quite longer. some time. That's quite not enough time. Two years. God Still damn. too long. All right. I don't um, agree. Um, Gurney Halek, who is played by Josh Brolin, is back in this film. Um, I don't know if he was supposed to be dead after Dune, but he was all in the promo content. So if you did not see him in the promo content, I guess surprise he's back, but he's surprise been Surprise you're anyway. blind. Yeah, is it? <laughs> surprise you're blind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Gurney, played by Josh Brolin's in this. He's sick. Josh Brolin is an excellent actor. I love yes. this guy. I'm very excited when Josh Brolin's in a movie and he's in this thing. The only thing I found weird is that he starts calling uh, Timothy Chalamet my lord at some point. It's <laughs> not like, that weird. I was literally 40 years older than him going my lord. My guy, oh. it's not that weird. You're just not used to watching like medieval slash fantasy movies. I don't it's watch literally normal. He's his lord. He's his king. No, regardless know, of just, the age. I'm like, I get it, like, but I would never call Chalamet my lord. I'd probably call him Timmy Shalala Bing Bong. Bing Shalala. Uh, yeah, I agree. That would be the proper name. I'm like Florence Pugh. Uh, yeah, but he, that, but in the movie, he told them, like, when he got too far, my guy, Timothy, was like, I am your Lord. You can't do shit. It was like, my guy. Yeah, yeah. he he kind of... He, he, Timothy became a real bitch at some points in this movie. He did not, he did not became a bitch. He just, like, hold on to his he power. He leaned and really act, heavily into the fact that he's a Lord. Yeah, and on, like... A position of authority which i thoroughly enjoyed because i did not think the guy had it in him uh, me too that yeah that's just more chalking it up to uh, timothy's performance um we already said stellan scars uh, stellan skarsgård is in here he's the baron vladimir harkonnen he's the head of the house mm-hmm. and we have what a uh, dangerous individual he's a real sicko he's a real, real sicko. sicko he's and his, so well yeah, played by his voice work too is insanely yeah, good for sure um he's back he's just as good as he was in the first movie he's just as chilling as he was in the first movie batista's in here as well batista has anger management issues 
Batista uh, in this is movie. playing the same role in every movie he's making. He's and just a big I, angry man. Yeah, but the, the, here's the problem that I have with Batista in this movie, and it's not a big problem. Uh, the Arkanen, based on how they are and how they they're supposed to be as a society, have no... I don't want to say they have no like emotional sensibility, but they're, they're not supposed to be like to show that they're afraid or to show that they're weak or very simple minded. And I feel like yeah. Batista's approach to his character is extremely unfitting given who he's supposed to be. He, I thought unfitting in the sense that I thought it would be like stoic. My guy was not stoic. My guy was panicking. Well, he is until he doesn't have any more control. Then he starts to lose his mind. Yeah, but not losing him. You're giving him too much credit. He's just wandering around. He has no. But he's not because he doesn't. He genuinely doesn't know what to do anymore to beat them. Yeah, but then he. But he's getting his ass whooped every time they deploy to try to beat the fremen. They get torched. Like yeah, and that, so he's probably way, getting scared realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the way he gets scared that is actually a problem because those that society doesn't get scared. It's you fight till your death. He should have sacrificed himself or like just died on I the battlefield. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I feel like it's actually more appropriate and more realistic. I get it. It is more realistic, human-like. Realistic if it's a human, but it's definitely more human. If it's more human, sure, I agree. But the guy's not human. My guy's a freak. Yeah, they are. Guy. They are human. They're just yeah. Bleach. But did you see? Yeah, they're bleach. You think? <laughs> My guy, they're like kidding. out of because the black blood. Son. Yeah, but no, because they get on regular planets I'm just and he's kidding. still. He's all My guy, up. he's all white. Yeah. I thought the best acting Batista did in that movie was on the, um, you know, when the, he he decides he's gonna take himself to the Earth to to the planet to uh, yes, try when to he, beat them the himself, the and movie. he tries to and he retreats. Mm-hmm. That little sequence of him with the fer- Fremen on the little um, quadricopter there. I don't know what yeah, it's called. Yeah, well, they were, well, yeah, they were fighting, but like uh, he almost but died and the guy he shot He almost him. died. You could see the look on his face. Yep. I was like, that is great acting by Batista. <laughs> that is a man who is too tough to admit he's losing, but he yep. is losing and he knows it. And you know who else knows it at that time? Austin Butler. Austin Butler. Oh my guy. Fade Routha. I don't I don't mm-hmm. know these names. I can't pronounce them very Let well. Let me look at the Fade? list. I'm actually try. Fade Routha? Let me see. Where is he? I want to say Fade. I can't even find it. it, it Fade Routha. I was Harkonnen. Yeah, Fade yeah, Routha. Fade. Yeah, he is what a dog. My my guy really he's he a new in, addition. Yep, he came First in into all, this movie. I had no clue what he was about to do. It was truly a surprise because I was, I did not look enough at the trailers to realize what kind of character he was going to play. Like I saw him and and I was thoroughly surprised at it, how You know, good I, that's he what was. I mean when I say we haven't read the books, we hold an advantage to not knowing who these characters are. Mm-hmm. Like if like, we I wasn't expecting the guy is, to be the biggest psycho on like, No, I know, but existing. if we would have googled the name Fade Routha, we would have known he's a bad guy. But like just the fact that I didn't know he was going to be a dickhead. He comes on screen. He's just a fucking psycho. You thinking I was going to Google anything is already egregious in and of itself. No, I would have never Googled it either. I didn't Google it. I'm just saying, I saw when he comes on screen, his presence is known immediately. Mm-hmm. He's actually for sure. the center of attention. When you're talking He's about chilling. someone who steal, steals the show, that's him. He's him. He, You know, I saw on uh, social that he's one of the best villains 
like it's sci-fi like they got him up with the fucking uh, one of the best villains period they got a, someone was comparing him to heath ledger's joker mm. and i'm like that's a little bit of a stretch because there's not it enough screen time there's not enough screen yeah. time in my opinion but i think if you would have given him all the screen time he could have gotten out of this thing oh boy Oh boy. Yeah, no, the guy takes these people into the Coliseum and essentially just shreds them. Like, <laughs> he makes chopped taco cheese out of them, like, if we're being realistic. My guy just absolutely like, murks them. He licks his blades, which is just freaky. And it's like, kudos to Denis Villeneuve and the cinematography crew for this sequence and for all the sequences in this movie. The use of the Black Sun. Again, you you make it sound like it's a novelty when really it is not. Like it's those are all iconography and like scenes and like representation that I've seen so many times in other like movies set in that like setting that is like fantasy or sci-fi. But you mean to tell me that the 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 the, the shots of Dune are not a novelty? I meant the character behaviors. No, no, he's a sicko. He's a sicko. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm talking about Denis Villeneuve and the cinematography. When they highlight the way that this is done, this movie's first of all, it's gorgeous. It's 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 gorgeous. And I'm saying even in action, and I'm talking about specifically this Coliseum scene where where uh, Fade turns um, House Atreides into chopped cheddar cheese. Um, that shot, it, all of it is beautiful at all times. Like a lot of movies are really pretty until you get to action and then it starts becoming a little choppy. Nothing about this movie ever falters. Everything's like all, all uh, fire on all cylinders at all times. Gladiator had that. Okay. Gladiator is not as big as Dune. I get Gladiator that the scale is different. does not take itself to the levels that Dune does. I meant the Colosseum. I'm not saying it's the first time scene. it's ever done. I'm saying this is probably one of the best efforts we've ever seen it happen. I, I meant in like the quality of a Colosseum fight scene. No, I, I didn't necessarily mean that guy. I'm talking about specifically the way that shots are composed in oh, the, the composition is insane. The, the composition is insane. And the way that they make things look. Like, yeah. the, the shots of people fighting are usually not artistic. There's never been a movie... Everything about Dune is artistic. There's never been a movie that I've seen that for two hours and 45 minutes felt so thought out through and through. Yeah. This movie really is that. that that's more so what I'm referring to. I'm saying e even in a Coliseum fight scene where the only two colors are white and black... There's something beautiful about this, and, and it's and it, it, it's not it's, a typical black and white either. Like it's not no, the it's kind. Not. Of, it's a black and white, but like reduced from a color palette. You clearly yeah. see that it was not because it's it's not silver grain. It's uh, it's you not know, grayscale. It literally it's not grayscale. Literally, you 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 expose the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Like it's like you're you're making me go blind. But it's, no, but it's, what I meant is you so know well like done. back in the day when they use like silver film to like record in black and white, and like yeah. uh, film. Uh, this is not that. No, no, this no, is not at all. Literally, this was taken in color, and then they yep. had the fucking color corrected into something beautiful, which they've done the entire film. Like it's gorgeous. No question. Um, anything else about Butler outside of the fact that he's probably one of the sickest villains we've seen in a long time? My guy had the chance to be with Seydu and was not even on screen when that happened. No, because it's a PG-13. How many times I told you? <laughs> PG-13. I'm not alone no in sex this. Scenes. You wanted to see Seydu and Butler. And <laughs> I'm happy you wanted to see that. But 
uh, you know, you can't have it in a PG-13. That was sick in itself. Outside of that, the other two, the, well, Leia Seydoux's a new addition. Um, yes. Bad guy, clearly. Not um, bad guy. She's just playing her part. Yeah, but she's going to be bad. I got to feel She's going to be bad because she was I set up it. to be bad, but it's not her fault. It's what she was like. No, Leia Seydoux is not a bad person. The character is bad. <laughs> no, not even. No. No, because know, see, it was about like it's all about manipulation. It's about what they want to do from like the higher arc. Like, uh, I I guess so. They're we'll just see what happens now that airs. This film comes to an end. Like with this film coming to an end, Leia Seydoux's future, um, Margot Fre- Fre- Lady Margot is her name actually. In the her her future is left up in the air. Um, again, the book will probably know, but I don't want to read it. So Lady Margot's future is up in the air. You and um, we look at Christopher Walken and Florence Pugh, who Florence Pugh plays the daughter of Walken, and Christopher Walken plays the Emperor of the known universe. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher he's, Walken is such an OG. My guy he's in is, this thing for like five minutes total, and he's just he's sick as the hell. most threatening elderly man I've ever seen in my life. It's the voice, man. He just it's like the vo- it's just... the it's the eyes, it's the voice, it's the way he yeah. looks down upon you. I'm like, you're just a piece of shit. And I'm like, don't say that to me. You're mean. <laughs> He's really good in this. Like for the for the short screen times he in, he dedicates his role. Like he has one monologue that he tells Timothy Chalamet at the end uh, of the film. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Like, yes. That slightly fractured my heart in the movie like when he said it i'm like wow you didn't really uh fuck you he didn't <laughs> have to you, go there. Walken. <laughs> like that's how i felt and i was like you this is you when you can look at an actor and you're like fuck you that probably means that they're doing a really good job of being a bad guy and he just it's bone crushing like what he tells chalamet and mm-hmm. even though you in that scene you have paul atreides in a Power, uh, like power move, power stance. position. Yeah, he's in a power position, but he still like gets told that, and you could tell on Chalamet's face. And kudos to Chalamet. Uh, Paul, Paul's hurt by those words. Like as much as he knows that he's like, fuck it, I, I, I own this shit right now. Those words hurt him. Like we're not gonna lie. Like it's obvious that those bother yeah, him because it's still him. Like he's inferring to himself as well. Yeah. When he says that, and that's what's hurting because more than anything, he's like, he, the emperor is basically telling Timothy that whatever you do, you're gonna be only like following your like father's lineage and father's behavior, which will be of like that weakness and that all of the above. Yeah, so he, that is your, mean. Your pops, your pops was weak, and uh, since you're his son, you're also gonna be weak because y'all just pussies. That's essentially what, Pretty much. what Christopher Walken tells Paul Atreides. Um, and Paul proceeds to So, yeah, I'm super happy that daughter. they're part of this franchise. So, yeah, my guy is a real dog. I can't wait in, for, like, three years when we get Dune Part 3 and everybody is shipping Florence Pugh and Timothy Shalamala Bing Bong on TikTok. I can't wait. We're going to get the fan fiction for sure. People are going to be making uh, edits. You know the edit videos on like uh, TikTok? Yes. We're going to see them shits about uh, Pew and uh, Chalamet. I'm willing to bet. <laughs> yeah. The last group that we haven't spoken about yet are the Fremen themselves. Uh, Javier Bardem is Stilgar and Cheney is uh, Zendaya. And they're underrated. both really solid. Yep. They're really D- solid. Bardem. Bardem is underrated. Javier Bardem is awesome. Like, we're so used to seeing him as a villain. 
it's so refreshing to see him in like a role that is so um, innocent yet yet full of wisdom. Uh, yeah. It's really really cool. It's uh, yeah, he's really fantastic. I'd say he brings all of the comedy to this thing. Yes, he does. People were laughing like, at theater. <laughs> like really, him and Josh Brolin, they bring it all. Like Josh Brolin's funny every once in a while, but it's definitely more Javier Bardem. He brings the jokes. Mm-hmm. He's cr- he had me cracking up in the thing. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> and it's the Fremen. The Fremen are mm-hmm. really funny. Zendaya is definitely the chosen like a one. Bit more is too humble to tell you that he's yeah. the chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a funny line. The Messiah is too humble to tell you that he's the Messiah. <laughs> And they're like, ah, they all agree Makes with him. Makes sense. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's it's really solid. And and the Fremen bring the uh, the comedy for sure. Like they're funny. As uh, Day is definitely a little bit more of a standoff. Um, yeah, she's when it comes to that, kind of cast like, away too. Like uh, she really is pushed to the side more and more as the movie goes along. Yeah, but she's pushed to the side as a result of her character's way of thinking. Yeah. And the way that the film goes, she's going to have a major role mm-hmm. in this third um, film, for sure. I, I have a question, though. Yeah. And it might just be an open-ended question. But how do you feel about Zendaya playing... Um, um, How can I say this? Um, not narrow-minded roles, but um, very stiff characters. Because I felt like her... You know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, I feel like um, like how like she's tough in this yeah, movie. It, it's not even because she's tough; like she's very stiff in terms of personality, and it comes off as very she's stiff. She's a little cold, very standoffish. Um, I like it because I think she can do it, so I yeah. like it. Um, you know, they're they're she, she, she's playing a role, right? And she plays a role. What I think Zendaya is really good at in this film is that she makes you want to root for her to come back around. Yeah. She's like, she was like the one that was done dirty. You want her to be right. Yeah, she was the one that was done dirty and she knows that she was done dirty. Well, you want her to be right. You want her to, you want what she wants to work. Like, that's what I'm hoping for in part three. I hope that uh, you know, Cheney and 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 um, Paula Trades can can kind of solve whatever they have. Yes, this movie ends with them on on opposite ends. Um, outside of that, that's the cast. Dune, though, like what a fucking motion picture. The world, the way they built their shots, as we said earlier, but specifically the desert. I've never seen so many pretty hues of orange in my life. It was stellar. It felt it felt really cool knowing that you could pretty much pause this movie at any given time and you'll have a screensaver. It felt like the sunset <laughs> in Star Wars 4 but for that 2 hours shot, and 40 yeah for shot, 2 hours yeah. and 45 minutes. It was it's very beautiful. much eye candy. It's beautiful. It's full of eye candy. Uh I don't like you know Walked out of the theater. My instant reaction was, "This is this a move." Nope. I walked out of the theater. My first reaction was, "This movie is so loud." This it was movie, fucking fantastic. We saw it in IMAX. Yeah, but so loud. The music was so loud. What does it matter? Dude, it was a nice transition to talk about the music, which we did not do yet. 
Oh, you want to talk? Uh, no, I'm saying though, but like I, I didn't see loudness as a problem, especially for this. My like, ears make it loud. Ringing. This shit's big. Uh, yeah, mine too. But I loved it. I was like, ah, let's go. Sick. I love losing six dB off of my hearing. Full send. You already know my hearing is gonna go down the shitter in about. Two it's years already anyway. down the shitter. I can't hear anything. I gotta I yell don't. in his ears in order for him to understand. <laughs> his sound is so loud. I hear myself through the headphones. That's when you know. Yeah, you do right now. Yep, I don't. But like most of the time, I do. Got used to it. God damn, you just gotta tell me. I'll fix it. This um, I also hold my mic so close to my face for no reason. Um, what was I about to say? I was about to add like something, something important. Music. The music. Hans Zimmer has crafted a score. Hans Zimmer, Doom. one of the goats. Potentially the goat. No, John Williams still beats him. Why? Star Wars? Uh, not just Lauer, John Williams is literally a modern composer, like composer genius. Right, John Williams enough. is literally what every single composer wants to become. Whereas Hans Zimmer just like is that too, but it's a matter of preference. But you cannot deny that John Williams is the pinnacle of who is like a movie composer. My guy is incredible. Uh I don't he know about that, man. Schindler's List, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Home Alone, Jurassic Park, okay. Jaws, okay. Star Wars, okay. E.T., Harry uh, Potter, yeah. uh, Saving Private Ryan, the original okay. Superman. He yeah, made, you're, sl you're slowing down here. I'm just trying to scroll. That's what I'm doing. Empire of the Sun. That was a good soundtrack. And from there, Tang Tang, he made Tang Tang. He was the adventures of Tintin. All right. Uh, you done? Yes, I do be done. Okay. Uh, Hans Zimmer, for the record. Uh, has Dune. Uh, Dune, Lord of the Rings. Dune, the creator, recently. He did the well, both Dune films. He's done Inception. He's done Interstellar, The Lion King, Kung Fu Panda, just for shits and giggles, right? Top Gun, he did it. Um a dark, uh, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, he wait, did he, that. Pirates of the wait, Caribbean, he did that. Did he do Lord of the Rings? I thought he was. He, oh no, it's Howard Shore. It's Howard Shore. Never mind. I'm stupid. That guy. That guy don't matter. No, I'm that, that guy. That guy do be matter. Uh, Gladiator. Hans Zimmer did that. Mega Mind. Ari though. I I messed up. I messed up. My man worked on Mega Mind. Sorry. There you go. He also made the Skylanders Spyro's Adventure soundtrack. So I'd like you to take back your words. Hans Zimmer is the goat. No, he's not. He's still John Williams. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, no. All that to say that the Dune Part 2 and the Dune soundtrack as a whole, I want to own them on vinyl. Um, and I want to play them when I lay in my bed. My guy's going to lay in his bed here. It is so calming. It is not calming. I love it. It is stressful as all heck. I love it. I... I, I hear that music and I think it. I'm about to like go to war. I feel like but I'm about to not. jump. You're only going to go to war if you're a Fremen or Harkonnen. Or basically anyone who lives in this world. Or, or House Atreides, really. If you had to belong to a house in Dune, who would you belong to? Uh, mm. I know where I belong to. I'm not going to try to lie to myself. 
I'm definitely going to be in House Atreides. I'm not meant for the sand with the Fremen. <laughs> like, I, I'm not, I, I can't do all that fucking walking and fucking riding on worms and shit. Like, put me up in a castle with Oscar Isaac. In a castle. Chill. <laughs> I have a chair. <laughs> Let me chill up there. You say that, um, I think I'd go with the Fremen if I had to. They're grumpy. Like- they're, they do be grumpy, but they live in a society that is just like... We live in a society. <laughs> <laughs> have tinfoil at on. Now, realistically, the closest to the way we're living currently is a house of Atreides. So, like, probably would be that. But if I, I had... House of Atreides is definitely white kid from the suburbs, and I feel like that's where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like that's where I belong. That's just me, though. Mm-hmm. You probably end next... up in the same place. Yeah, probably. Like, I cannot hide that. I'm gonna be. Or you could too. be a Harkonnen. A Har- yeah, sure. About to shit <laughs> my assholes. pants. I'm just gonna shit my pants. Um. Yeah. It's it, it's it, Dune Part Two is fucking spectacular, and honestly, can't wait for Dune. Part We've been three. speaking about it for almost an hour, and we were just like barely scratched the surface. It's just yeah, a testament of all good. Exactly. It is. Yeah. It, that's that. I could have said it better myself. Um. Go watch it for yourself. Form your yep. own opinion. It's the first A++ on Cinecloud, which is pretty cool. Because um, I, I said this movie's too special to not just mm-hmm. give it like an A+. And uh, given that we've spoken about the music, I think the first conversation we had when we walked out of the theater was, I know it's a controversial controversial topic. I know that it will raise some eyebrows that those are not ready to hear it. But I'm, I am so down to speak about the comparison of Dune 2 and the Empire Strike Back as sequels. <laughs> because truthfully, it's the first movie ever that comes to the same level as Strike Back. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know if there is a better, a different way to put that. It's there. This movie is, is here. It's there. Uh, it's everywhere. I don't know what to, tell, what to say. I'm ask, I, I, I guess I could ask that argument. I guess I guess what I'm asking more is why do you think it's there? Because you have like the proper terminology to explain those things. Well, to me, so what makes the Empire Strikes Back so special in my eyes is the Empire Strikes Back sees a massive world after it's been introduced, which is it shares the same foundation as Dune, which is the first film takes a lot of time. Um, focusing on the beginning of its characters making you understand who they are as people and seeing how they'll advance in their own world and then when you reach the sequel so in this case dune part two and the empire strikes back they are taking off now there is a cause that is leading them to something bigger the stakes get higher Making a sequel is not difficult. You have to raise stakes. You have to make your characters keep growing. And you have to amplify what you did with the first film. And Dune checked off all these boxes, as does The Empire Strikes Back. Now, will Dune stand up against The Empire Strikes Back in the long term? I don't know. Darth Vader is massive to The Empire Strikes Back. Does Austin Butler's fade compared to Darth Vader? Is that a question? No, he doesn't. I it's not close. Here's my me. point. Here's my point here. And it's going to be a weird point because they're not the same type of characters. But to me, um 
Austin Butler's character is since he's not a recurring villain, it doesn't have the same weight as Darth Vader might have in Empire Strike Back. Although the big difference I think between the two is that Austin Butler's character feels to me at least much more threatening on an individual level rather than threatening to the cause and for that for a movie that is so much character driven makes fair a lot of sense that's fair enough i'd say that yes that you're right about that there is definitely a real sense of threat when fade is close to paul Whereas when Darth Vader fights Luke, no one's ever going to think that they're going to lose. Darth Vader does not look as physically threatening. Now, I'd argue that there's also a case to be made about Psycho, like being a Psycho. Yeah, scary as I that mentioned is. earlier, it's not the same type of character. But again, no, I know, but they I'm don't saying that's, that's the, same the case, right? Like the case that you can be made is the fact that homie's so freaky that he's scary because of how scared uh, about how creepy he is he's scary you know about, I mean? because he just showed you that he he's able and willing to do anything in order to win hey, he doesn't care if he kills you like he really he doesn't, he doesn't care if he just like tortures his way like to the win like he, he'll do anything he's far more a savage than some of the other characters are i will i can fully agree with you on that you won't catch me disagree i just think Part of what makes the Empire Strikes Back so special is that we've had it for such a long time. Yes. Uh, Dune, we'll see where it goes. I'd say Dune comes out. It just can't. It's not even out yet. Like, we saw it early. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we got to give it time for it to properly get to somewhere. I'd also say that for now, you're looking at a movie that fresh out fresh out the frying pan into the fire of the... <laughs> jay-z um <laughs> it's fresh out the frying pan it's 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 just it's managed to be so spectacular already we'll see where it goes from here i i don't want to throw on the it's better than the empire it's not fair i'd say if i watch these two movies side by side it's going to be about which franchise you like more it's not even I'd say that they're pretty about equal. that it's going to be I'd my point pretty equal my point is leaning towards that it's the fact that it's the first movie we've had in almost 50 years that managed the reach the impact that empire had on its franchise right and on the, the world right out the gate and for that alone it is worth so much more than people give it credit for yeah i'm actually i can't even argue with that i'm with you on that <laughs> i'm with you on that i'm just like I don't know yet. I I don't want to throw that. Th I'm interested to see what the conversation will be, which is why we're going to have a poll. Um, I told you about that. Um, yesterday I was talking about that. We're going to do a poll. We're going to put uh, four great sci-fi sequels out, and we're going to have people vote on which one's the best one. Dune Part 2 will be one of them, as yep. will Empire. It'll be interesting to see what is the scope after mm -hmm. people watch this. I was looking at that like specific vote. I couldn't vote right away. I, I don't tricky. even know my pick yet. It's a very trippy, like trippy list because you realize how close they all are. If it was if it was right now, I'd probably vote Doom Part 2. But if, if I it, think about how great Star Wars is as a franchise, it becomes trickier. But what I can say is this movie as a film is better than any all the Star Wars films. 
But what does the Empire do for the franchise versus what does Dune Part 2 do for the franchise? Mm-hmm. Only Dune Part 3 will tell. Yep. And we I need think more that's a fair way to go about it. We need a bigger sample size. Denis, keep cooking. <laughs> I think he's stopping at three, he said. Which is, doesn't matter. He can make as many as he wants. And if he's down to stop now, he's down to stop now. The point is he's made something beautiful. And uh, it's really remarkable. I think that he should be proud of what he's made, especially. Mm-hmm. 100%. It's it's one um, of those achievements that will stand the test of time. And I do absolutely. believe it will. It's the kind of absolutely. shit that gets you in the Hall of Fame. It should if it doesn't. If it isn't. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um... I think we should uh, shift shifting gears a little bit. Um, Driveaway dolls came out, which it was overcrowded. It's been essentially submerged in the sand that that Dune brings. Yep. But Driveaway dolls has been completely erased off the map. Um, it's not a bad. This thing. is a solo Ethan Cohen film. It stars Margaret Qualley. Um, Margaret Qualley. Yeah. It's 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 a fine film. Fine. It's actually a fucking disappointing film, if I'm being honest. This film is 84 minutes long. It's about um, uh, fuck it. I'm not. I'm not afraid of. I'm not going to act like I'm going to try to protect this film from anything. Spoiler wise, I'm just going to come out and talk about what it's about. And I'm. This is your first reaction to this, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to read you. I'm going to write read the IMDb synopsis, but I will add. Um, like elements Details. that yeah, flesh yeah. out the story. So the film follows Jamie, an inhibited free spirit, um, regretting her latest breakup with a girlfriend. She's they're both lesbians, the main characters in this film. Um, and her deemer friend Marion, who desperately needs to relax. She's like a st- stuck up like not stuck up, but she's very stiff. Yeah. Anyway. In search of a fresh start, the two embark on an impromptu road trip to Tallahassee. Now, while these two are going on the road trip to Tallahassee, there is already a bunch of things early on in this movie that show you that there's this suitcase, this suitcase floating around in the ether. And essentially, um, like a suitcase on the same level as like uh, Quentin Tarantino's suitcase. It's a, it's just a metal suitcase. Very important. What's inside. Very important. What's inside. Um, in uh, at the very very beginning of the movie, Pedro Pascal is the person who has the suitcase. He ends up getting decapitated in an alleyway. Uh, <laughs> in in this in the most cartoony way possible. This film is extremely cartoony. Um, essentially, yes, they go to Tallahassee. They arrive at a rental car service, and um, they they are asking for a car to go to Tallahassee, and the, they're given a car, um, and the the clerk at the counter gives them the car and under the assumption that they are somebody else because the car is pretty much already pre-booked mm-hmm. like it's bought for it's paid for already so they give them the car and they're taking off right and um about moments later there's uh, three criminals that show up to the car dealership and they're like where's our car and then essentially here we go right we have two girls that are innocent in a car that is filled with stuff that is uninnocent aka the suitcase and um yeah essentially it sounds film, fine it sounds yeah fine. it's it's not though because you know what's in the suitcase nick 
What is in the suitcase? Tell me what's in the box. No, I, I'll give you five guesses. Money. Nope. Gold. Nope. Drugs. Nope. Um, family pictures. Nope. Um, tapes, like videotapes. No, was that five? You can yeah. get like two more. Just keep going. Um, was I getting close or hot? Like, You're nowhere near, bud. <laughs> like you'd be closer if you guessed cheeseburgers. Like I'm not even kidding. Like sriracha sauce? No. Uh, salt. All right, I'm just going to give it up. No, I, I was just kidding. I'm saying you're closer if you get cheeseburgers in the sense of that's how random it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's inside the suitcase is a collection of dildos. You know what? I was too afraid to say it's just that because... No way you were thinking that. I was no actually t- thinking that, no cap, because I was like... My guy said it was random. I was like, I'm going to say this. I'm like, if I say this and it's not, I'm going to sound like the biggest weirdo of all time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I actually like that. So I just didn't say shit. Yeah, no, dildos inside the suitcase. Uh, yeah, dildos inside just the suitcase. Um, I swear to God, I was thinking that, but I couldn't say it. Essentially, um, why? And what? Because this film is really fucking stupid. That's why. Um, and essentially, from that information, what you have, what what what, what you have. Before you, what I revealed what was in the suitcase, you had what I thought the movie was going to be, which is like a slapstick adventure comedy action type of film, uh-huh. like a Coen Brothers film is, like a little bit of a chaotic nature. Um, but this film was really not that. It was really actually like hypersexualized, extremely cartoony. I, I didn't really enjoy it. I thought it was extremely ridiculous. And it's also short. Like They don't really bother to flesh out anything. I think if they would have fleshed out the, the stupidities... It would have been for more of an interesting film. Like I'm all for a film having ridiculous things. Uh huh. We we're like, fans we saw of the Babylon. Sweet East. The Sweet yeah. East is fully ridiculous. And we're fans but of when, Babylon, so like we know about ridiculous yeah, shit. As long as you flesh out what you're doing, you could pull off anything. The problem is this film like rushes by as if the things that it's doing are normal, and none of it is normal. So it feels all out of place. It does feel very out of place, and I had a very awkward time watching it. I really did not enjoy it. I feel very disappointed because I feel like I had a lot of potential, and I just wasn't able to deliver, which kind of sucked, if I'm being honest. It kind of sucked, and I was hoping for more, but it'll be very forgetful when it's all said and done. And hell, if I didn't write it down for this podcast, I wanted to talk about it because we mm-hmm. had Dune. So it's it's already kind of being forgotten in the uh, shadows. Of I feel Dune. like a lot of Coen so. Brothers movies end up just that being forgotten I, although I they're, I they're memorable think that i, I, I think although they're memorable my point my point is that although they're memorable and for the people that have seen them they like it and they remember it it's a yeah. movie that you have to be there in order to remember it exists and if yeah. not you're it's gonna like blow by and you'll never remember it or you'll never stumble across it that's fair that that's really true honestly it's just it just kind of sucks because you you kind of expect more out of the Coens, and this is only Ethan Cohen. But you expect a little. I expected more. So you got half I of the movie. I expected a better film. I got pretty much uh, like a very long trailer for something that would have been really cool. Everybody in this film's underutilized. Matt Damon's in this thing. He's in it for a scene. Pedro Pascal's in this for a scene. Then uh, Miley Cyrus is in this thing. 
My real question would be, would be then why would he choose to make a movie like that, given how much of a veteran he is? Like, what I think it's because he wanted to like have a fun movie, which it is fun, but it's not great. Not everyone is meant to have fun. This is my opinion. I'm sure some people are gonna love this thing, but I was just like, this is not for me. I'm not down to watch a uh, a glorified, um, like glorified slapstick. Like, you know what I mean? Like a glorified mm-hmm. Mr. Bean episode. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's what it felt like. I was like, and as much as I like Mr. Bean, you know, I like Mr. Bean. Yeah. yeah. As How much can you as not? I like Mr. Bean, I was like, I don't want to watch a, this really extravagant Mr. Bean episode. That's all it I got to say about Drive Away Dolls. It got a C in my book. Ouch. Uh, it's just disappointing, but it's, it's like, it's like when a really good student gets a, a regular, uh, like a, 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 a very average grade. That's mm-hmm. how I You're felt. Like, you could have had so much more if you actually worked for it, you know? That's what I feel like. But, you know, again, film, it, that was the vision that they wanted to do. That's what they pulled off. I'm not going to... That's what they got. It. So like, you're reaping what, what you saw. That's just what I felt like it was. It's not for me. It's not for me. Um, is, is the pl- the public reception agreeing with your it's, take? It's about a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so it's about what you said. It's, it's just, yeah, I think it's kind of uh, split down the middle. Uh-huh. about who likes it who does it i'm more so on the fence of i'm probably gonna forget it the parts i did like were not good enough for me to love them mm-hmm. and the parts i didn't like just make me forget it so um yeah a movie that i'm not gonna forget is essentially it's like a actually this is more like a story time we've um, seen the trailers a lot and we've underestimated that movie i'd start with that because this yeah, movie has well, been I'm, on the my, radars of everyone, my, but we just skipped it. My story? No, no, I saw it. No, I, I, I just blew over it. Are you talking like, about oh, Driveway Dolls? Are you talking about the, the next movie that the you have on the screen? Movie. The next okay, yeah, movie. Okay, yeah. So let me let me tell the story here. I was at the movie theater with my girlfriend like a month ago. I can't remember what movie I dragged her to go see. Not mad for the reviews. Mean Girls. It was Mean Girls. So we went to watch Mean Girls the musical. And we sat there and watched it. And what was immediately felt um, within the trailers was that there's this one thing that stuck out that I didn't really care about that she felt the need to tell me, you're going to review that, right? And I'm like, as soon as I get told you're going to review that, I'm like... What the fuck are we talking about? So I look up at my screen and it's a film called Ordinary Angels starring Hilary Swank. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm not thinking much of it, but I'm not thinking nothing either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you're this indifferent. could be something. I'm pretty indifferent. I would not review this normally. But anyway, ever since that trailer, she's been nagging me to watch this movie. Not nagging, but asking repeatedly can we go watch ordinary angels we see how you think out. man it finally came out so we went um bro 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 essentially ordinary angels is a story of a five-year-old girl who's um dying of a disease that will require her to get a liver transplant she's five it's based on a true story you have a father who has who is who is newly widowed. His his wife recently just passed away. Um, he is swamped in medical bills and in all kinds of bills. 
and essentially it's the story of how a story of humanity and community and how they're managed to um, rally to save this little girl's life financially they they try to bail everybody like anyway touching is not even the right word bro you could swear in the movie theater i was in there was like like a dog had died Mm -hmm. like the tears that i was hearing the sniffles the sobs the sobs in this theater i did not know what to do with myself at some point my girlfriend laughed at me because i cried because i told her that this movie was not going to be that great and then i watched it and i cried because it was really special um man we're like it's this movie is not a movie that necessarily has the chops to be a contender at the awards or anything like that i gave it a b plus it's not even like the best movie ever made but you know when a movie has so much heart mm-hmm. that our story has so much heart that it just encapsulates what the movie is it it's the definition of a feel-good movie but it's it, but yes, it's not it's not a feel but it's good more movie. of like a beautiful movie uh-huh. like it's a beautiful story but brought to feel to the attached to the story yep. you can't help but to feel like you wish you should do something it makes you want to be a better human mm-hmm. it was the first surprise i've had this year where i sat in the movie theater and i'm like wow the feelings that I'm feeling in this theater chair are not normal. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, Alan Richens is playing the father. He's Reacher. Mm-hmm. Reacher's a tough ass. Yeah. Like, he, he's, he's a tough ass. He, he's, he's a baller and he's massive and he plays a father. He has breakdown scenes in this, in this, in this film that I can only see like my father in because my father mm-hmm. is like a big guy like that big like uh old like um tough uh european father mm-hmm. this guy's breaking down and i'm like fuck that's like my dad like i'm crying it was a disastrous event i'm not gonna <laughs> lie i spent my saturday in tears but i really love this movie i love the story i think hillary swank delivers a performance that returns to her like all-star form um she's won best actress award she's not a scrub like when it Mm -hmm. comes to this performing shit she kills it in this alan richen's amazing in this this movie is fantastic i suggest it to anybody because it can be watched by anybody and it can be watched by anybody of any age it might be heavy for like less than 10 years old but dead serious this movie can be watched by anybody of any age it's how wonderful it is and how touching it is Truly, 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 truly something special. Um, Ordinary Angels is the name. I'm not promoting it. I'm saying, though, society needs these movies every once in a while. This is a great film. A great film. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can't, Can't believe that. you cried. So weak. I cried a lot. I, don't I'm even kidding. do that right I'm now. I'm kidding. You. I'm you got to watch it. That you're was the sound it. of sarcasm coming through to me. I, I know, I know you're kidding, <laughs> but I'm telling you, you're gonna have to watch it, my guy. I don't want to drown in my tears. It's really sad. It's really beautiful because it's not even sad. It's just beautiful. Like they're winning and you're sad. Like you're not sad, but I don't know how to. Anyway, whatever. No, no, it's it's um, so it's so dramatic and so true and so real that it's when heavy. you, it's, yeah, it's just heavy. Like you you 
you feel the weight of their emotions for the entire run for time sure. of the movie, and you 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 cannot help yourself but to think, what if I was in this position? What would I do? Oh my that god, is, you, that you, is you the pray like, to not be. Like that's what you really have to do is like you have you're you're like whatever you do to whatever because everybody has their own psychological things right there's prayer it's not anybody has their own belief there's mm -hmm. prayer you could thank the universe manifest knock on wood whatever you do it'll make you do that to hope that this never happens to you and to hope that God forbid it that uh, that's such an expression <laughs> this is not <laughs> I'm not Joel Osteen but you just hope that. If it were to ever happen to you, um, that you would have this community and these people that come around you in order to help alleviate the situation. It's really mm -hmm. a beautiful story. It's a story that I find humanity needs every once in a while because we don't get it all the time. And I find that real life stories are very depressing. And a lot yes. of the biopics that want to be told um, are about superstars, people that are not real people. So when you get a film like this, which is based on a real story of real people... What is there not to uh, love, like, you know? Yeah, you can't yeah. help yourself but to like it. It's uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, shifting back at the high gear, Tom Cruise is, is, is dominating at Warner Brothers already. Uh, we spoke about it last week or the week before. Man's got himself an office in yep. the Warner Brothers lot. He's a dog. My um, own I own the building now. It, so it came know. out saying that he wants to make more author author driven films. Otar. Yeah, which films. by that means no more. Let's make more artistic movies. Yeah. He wants Let's to make be more movies. movies. Make Magnolia too. Yeah, the real problem is my guy signed at Warner Brother when he should have gone with A twenty four if he wanted that kind of shit. You know? Yeah, but you know what? I'm expecting you know but Timmy Cruz has the pulling power to transform Warner Brothers and make them make movies like that. I agree. But it's just a bit counterintuitive when you think about it. Yeah, I agree. They just can't... Like, see, Warner Brothers just made Dune. Like, yeah. That's not a really... Granted, it is pretty auteur-driven. Like It's auteur-driven because you gave Denis Villeneuve the most amount of freedom Warner Brothers yeah. ever has given to someone. But yeah, they've made a lot of duds over the past uh, couple of years. So we'll see what Tom Cruise can do. As of now, he is starring in Alejandro in Iñárritu's next film. Alejandro Iñárritu. I thought you sound, said it right the first time around. It's, I don't know how to it, say it. It sounded... I don't know. Right. I will call him Alejandro. Alejandro has directed Birdman. He has directed The Revenant. He has directed... Fuck... Those are Man already big movies. Uh, Those are already big movies. Those are excellent films. Those are excellent films. He's he's absolutely a fan. Um, I had it right here. Beautiful. He made The Revenant, Birdman, of course. Yeah, Beautiful Babel, The Higher, Twenty One Grams. Um, with his latest film being the revenant that's his last film no he said he made the bardo oh no false. bardo yeah well false chronicle bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths i would i had never seen that before and i think i should probably watch that anyway that's his latest film uh, it's a spanish film it's a spanish film it is um point is 
Tom Cruise is starring in his next film, which means that we are either getting a Birdman or we're either getting a Revenant or we're either getting something way out of the way out there. And I honestly take any of it. We already know Tom Cruise can act. You and I have both recently seen Magnolia for the first mm-hmm. time. Man can really show off. Yeah, like, no my question. guy actually has shops. No really? question. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, what 100%. is fun about Timmy Cruz is that regardless of how polarizing he is as an actor, he's one of the few that was able to still carry the love of the craft through the making of his movies, even though he, like, slowly strained away from author movie to go more, like, towards blockbusters. Blockbuster. And overall, it's just fun to see that you see the guy on screen, and regardless of what the movies he's in, you know it's going to be either a good time, a fun time, or just a quality time. He you he's really saving a saving uh, filmmaking on all on all counts, eh? Mm-hmm. When you think about it, like imagine saying, "Okay, blockbusters are not what they once were. I'm going back to blockbusters. I'm going to save them." He saved blockbusters. <laughs> he's like, "All right, we're not getting as many auth- um, character-driven films in cinema. I'm going to I'm going to Warner Brothers. I'm fixing that too." Like mm-hmm. he's really out here just taking down one thing at a time i am i think it rings true now more than ever though and uh, it re- i sorry to cut you off here because you yeah, yeah. Me, your, your point gave me a good idea before that when he went in to like start to star in blockbuster movie in order to like quote save the genre the big difference between today and that time was that before that there wasn't a lot of space for movies to exist Whereas in the world that we live today with the online releases, the different ways you can watch a movie, uh, the fact that there are not like full-blown events around movies as we're seeing with like Oppenheimer or Dune, the fact that there's space for blockbusters as well as author movies, as well as independent movies to coexist in a similar plane helps tremendously yeah. in that vision. And I, I think sure. that's what he sees. And I think that's why he went and was like, now it's time to bring the rest along yeah and for sure you already know tom is bringing everything to the theater right so he's gonna he just knows uh, it's tricky because you have a guy like tom cruise who obviously he doesn't deem himself the hero of the spaces right like we like we referred to him just now as Mm -hmm. he saved this place he saved this place. he doesn't refer to himself as that he's just doing what he loves but when you look at who's really doing that it's him like mm-hmm. he's going around and say and 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 helping bring back these 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 aspects of filmmaking, these aspects of cinema. And yes, I agree with you. I think now he is able to understand the world of cinema way more, and the world of social media, and the world of how films exist way more. And so, if he brings his talents to it that way, which he already has, if you look at Top Gun, if you look at Mission Impossible, um, man's gonna be unstoppable. He will. And he's already unstoppable. He's already 60 and he's killing it. But when what I like to think of is is I remember um, a couple, like last year, I think Timothy Chalamet revealed that Tom Cruise called him and said that he was like the next guy. Mm-hmm. I think that's more believable now than it ever was. Yeah. And like, he has the eye to see it right man knows who has the eye to say you're me like you know Mm -hmm. like you're literally me like you know like you're the next version of me i did this yeah and And uh, it's it's just beautiful to see that like 
you're always doubting that like the passing of the baton will actually happen right in a, either a smooth way or a like um um I'm indirectly but i really feel like we're lucky to live in a world where it actually happened right and i know it's curated yeah. by every single like worker of this industry to get to that point but i'm just glad it actually happened because yeah, if not sure. we would be live in a sad world for sure it's it's nuts it's it's so cool it's it's honestly so cool and i'm so happy to see it like you said it, we live in a world where we were we got to see this ha passing of the baton this glorious mm -hmm. passing of the baton i should say like and it, you, there's no downgrades here like no, you know not at all. and wow cruise is going to keep going and chalamet is going to keep going and and eventually cruise will retire or phase himself out and chalamet will eat take up more of that but it's crazy to think that outside of you know if you if you really back up and take a look at it you got leo who does um, a lot of these Oscar films. He's not mm -hmm. really a sci-fi or a blockbuster no. actor, right? He's a Scorsese, so he man. He's a Scorsese, yeah, he really is. man. He really is. Outside of him, so you have that. And then outside of, uh, I don't know, outside of Leo, who else runs the game right now? It's not even, I think running the game is might not be the best choice of word. I think it's more so like, uh, who is a standout? amongst like who is the fan favorite who is the guy that is the face of your franchise sort of you know he doesn't necessarily run the game but he's a part of your team and for that you had timmy cruz as we said earlier and leo the rest are all like extremely great role players and i i know it's a like weird sports comparison but i feel it makes the total sense when you think about it yeah bradley cooper might actually be another one that actually is that kind of guy yeah, perhaps, uh, perhaps. I, I, it's like, but I'm just thinking about like who brings the biggest, who's the big attraction in Hollywood? Who's the face of Hollywood? Mm -hmm. uh, it's for it's the longest mixed up time, right now. It's yeah, a mixed bag. For the longest time, it okay. has been either Leo, Tom, or um, any of the above, and now it's shifting. Right. I'd say you see Chalamet in there now. Yeah. 100% he's, and he's arriving the more they go and the more they make movies the more it will be the case yeah go see Dune yeah go see <laughs> Dune there's no other way to put it um, interesting stuff happening with Dune I'm so excited to see like what the general audience has to say when it hits theaters this week it's gonna be sick um yeah, Dune Part 2 is awesome. Drive Away Dolls is not. If you don't like sci-fi films, go watch Ordinary Angels. That's our advice. That's my advice. Here's anyway. this week's advice. Yeah, that's this week's advice. Um, anyways, this has been another edition of the uh, CineCloud Podcast, the 22nd edition of it. 22nd? 20, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 22nd yeah. week. Never stopped. In a row. Consistent. In a row. Never stopped. Never missed one. Never, ever. That's sarcasm, <laughs> essentially. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you made it this far, we appreciate it. Um, follow, rate five stars, share with your friends, do anything you can. We appreciate all the support. Thank you so very much. And we will see you in the next episode. Uh, bye. Bye.